Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boys out here, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be alright. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? What's going on? Hey, y'all looking good over there. Thank you. You look good, you too. Look I'm good living too. for this blonde. Mm, yeah, something. A little something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so much is going on. I feel like January just lasted fucking forever. It felt really? like this was the longest month ever for me. <laughs> like, he was just like, boom, bitch, we're in February. What? I felt like January was a whole year long. <laughs> It didn't feel that way to me. It did take a while. I guess because I'm so busy, like, well, in a way I've been busy. I've um, just had other activities besides work. So it's like, Uh, uh, I think that's what made it kind of fly by for me. um, We we got an insurrection, attack on the Capitol. We (laughs) had the stress of, are we going to have a... a, ease, a good transition to Biden. Like it was like, oh, then the stress of, oh, we gotta win the the Georgia. We gotta turn Georgia like super blue. <laughs> like <laughs> yo, like gotta get these seats and and then not not just that. Then literally six trans people have been murdered in January. Yeah, it's crazy. And we haven't really been posting like the individual mur- murders like we normally do. Because I've been, you know, going through my things with death and, you know, just it gets so redundant. It gets so like, oh, my God, we are reporting so many trans deaths. You like, did I, is that the same person? Is that the same, is that the same one that I've already shared? And it just gets so redundant. So I don't, I don't always want to, you know, post death stuff. <laughs> I don't want to always be posting deaf stuff on our timeline or to, as soon as we open up a show, we're talking about deaf stuff. I don't always want to do that, but it seems like that's kind of what we have to do. <laughs> I think that I, I think that it I agree with you. It's something that we have to do just because I feel like I think 
I think the world looks on trans issues like, oh my gosh, like you girl, y'all starting to get this. And I've had conversations where the other side are like, oh, you're starting to get these, you, you, you're getting all of these, um, these rights, there's a lot of things that's in y'all's community that's in y'all's favor, and now y'all start to become bullies, and um, I've heard all of that. Um, they Well, the reason why they call us bullies is because we, we tell them that we we don't agree with you saying that you you don't agree with me. You can agree. You I'm sorry. I don't agree with you saying that you don't have to agree with me being a trans woman, but still respect me that doesn't make sense to me and so i think that's their way of gaslighting but um yes that's all it is yeah but i think the reason why i feel like it's important to share the deaths is because there's so many people who feel like everything is going smooth because you see all these things going good like quote unquote good as far as like in the government and stuff but we are, I feel like our visibility is starting to wear us out because people are starting to be able to clock us easily. Because um, when we weren't as visible, I feel like, and I think we talked about this before, when we weren't as visible, I feel like if you didn't really like know trans women or you weren't attracted to us, it wasn't really that easy to just to clock the girls and even passable, like even, how can I say it? I don't want to sound problematic, but even, why are you giving me the side eyes? I'm just, I'm me just a looking, no, no, I'm just looking at you talk. The okay, people so, can witness it on the camera. They know I'm just looking. Okay, yeah. So, Dobby, why are you looking? I mean, I want to know where you go. Go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not trying to like have like cry any passable tears right now. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just I feel like there has been an awakening towards trans people, and now people are able to um, identify us now, even if you are somewhat passable. I feel like I've always said, I feel like even if no matter what you do, there's some there there might be a small little thing that says, "Hey, this is a trans woman," or I, I, that, or a trans man. They learn a lot of things socially too. Yeah, but I'm but but I feel like because we are so visible and people are starting to speak up more, a lot of girls are not hiding in their privilege. A lot of men aren't hiding in their privilege, and they're saying, "Hey." There's actually people that can look like me in this world that that don't don't fit those stereotypes of what you see is a trans person or or in general. Then people are starting to say, "Wait a minute, let me get into it," and they're starting to figure out that the different things that tell us apart from cis people, which is us, which is actually problematic because some, like we talked about, some cis people don't fit those stereotypes either. But I think with the visibility, it is starting to wear us out more because it's like this backlash of, girl, fuck y'all. Yeah. Because there was a bill recently introduced by some Republican politician in Florida pushing a bill to basically, um, basically it's aimed towards school sports. So like 
if you're if you're a male body person quote unquote trying to participate in women's sports they're going to take the funding away from schools that let like basically trans kids be in sports they're going to take away some type of funding from you or shit like that so they know what biden is doing you know what i'm saying and then they push him back. So like like I was saying, that's, some people yeah. use the information they know about us as ammo. And that's what it seemed like is happening. Now there's a lot of consequences socially that I'm seeing more and more if you even deal with a trans person. Like, you know, I think it's more about the physicality now. Like and now it don't matter what the fuck you look like, that's a nigga. If that's a trans woman, that's a nigga. It don't matter how possible you are as a trans how. man. That's a but woman. it's always been like that, though. It's ne- that's never changed. All right. Let me, let me say this. I feel... I just don't want to blame visibility. Because we need it to... We, that, it's a, visibility has always been a double-edged sword. It's always um, when you shine a light on us. When, when you're coming out of the subculture, we were a subculture of a subculture. <laughs> LGBT, in it, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote gay community in itself is a subculture, and we was a subculture of that. Yeah. And so now um, that just being plain old, quote-unquote, plain old gay is almost not normal. It's not it's like they just who's out here free, but it's it's, you know, it's kind of like a, a semi-norm <laughs> the trans thing the trans issue is now one of those more you know controversial issues that people are kind of grasping onto that's why it's not just florida it's mississippi it's um minnesota um it's um i mean not minnesota montana it's um idaho it's iowa it's many um um many politicians are using our um, particular plight to be uh, um, to galvanize their voter base. So, ooh, let me hurry up and make a legislation against the trans people. And so, it's previously it was you know marriage equality. So let me try to change marriage. Let me do legislation to make um, the gay harder for the gays to get married. But now that they can't do that what can we do to galvanize our voter base, our conservative voter base? And so trans, the trans topic is a hot button topic right now in our culture. It's not just on the conservative side. When we think about what people do to uh, the, on the left to get fundraising, look at some of the conversations that they have, you know, uh, in order to be woke, woke, you got to have some kind of trans inclusive politics. So, Ooh, let us make sure we get the trans girl on the panel. Let us make sure they're playing the game too. It's not, it's uh, on the, on the left. They're playing the game too. They, they know that this particular issue is something that they can use to fundraise. We know that we we've seen that. Um, they know it's some particularly around the deaths. Like, oh my God, we gotta protect trans women. So let's try to come up with something that includes them so we can try to fundraise based on this hot button topic. Um, so I think that I don't wanna blame the visibility. I think there's there's an element to that. I think there's an element of truth. I just don't think that that is, um, that overshadowed the reality that is just simply transphobia 
Um, and our visibility is making that transphobia come uh, shining a light on the transphobia, not just shining a light on us. It's shining a light on transphobia where previously people could just have an opinion on being gay. Now they have to have an opinion on gender identity. You get what I'm saying? Now they got to say, oh, well, what about these trans people? Oh, no, those are men. Or no, 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 those are women. You were born a, born a woman, you still a woman. You were born a man, you still a man. Now they have to have opinions about the transgender issue. I remember back in my day, <laughs> I really sounding old, but, <laughs> but most people, they didn't have opinions. Like, like they didn't have opinions about the trans and they had opinions about homosexuality. But they didn't really go as deep because they lumped us all together. They didn't go deep. Now they have to get really, really specific. They got to get really, really um, into the weeds of the transgender thing because the gay thing is getting so normal, um, so normal and accepted and not fully accepted. We know that they get that shit, that, that they get that shit still, too. But it's getting so like, oh. That's oh yeah, you can be gay. Why you but trying to change your gender? Oh no, <laughs> you know it's just that it's the new hot button topic, um, and for me to deal with that, and then especially in what we're trying to do on the show, and talk about deaths over and over and over and over, it's just a little extra for me. And the tokenizing, <laughs> yes, <laughs> without trying to pay somebody. But uh, <laughs> it's sad to see. I'm sorry for laughing, but it's really sad to see. I mean, I like, like, I'm like i one of them people that don't <laughs> mind doing the work. It's sad. Just, to, just because I feel like the visibility is an uh, important part. And like you said, it is a double-edged sword. But I do think, I, I don't think that it's the, the main factor to why we're being murdered, but it is contributing to what the factor that we're we're being murdered because uh, because of the visibility and I, and people being able to clock us for some uh, for some other reason I, I wish that um and I think about this a lot I wish that there was a way that somebody would just invest in the reason why we were murdered like like it would be it would be nice to know what what was the cause of these deaths like what happened because now because it's always because now you're always wondering like what happened why did why were they murdered and the first thing that straight people say was you shouldn't have been tricking nobody well i think that's a that was a part of um our work when we when me and monica before monica passed me monica and you know the whole um trans women's inc um um crew we would literally when we would talk to people we would, we would have the history you know monica was keeping uh, like we have a google doc of people all the murders one of one of the reasons why i was able to keep up totally with everybody's name where they from age or that because monica's work part of her work was she had literally a google doc that we all can go to and see how many so far this year what their age where they were from blah 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 blah, blah. and so not having her here is kind of affecting that because sometimes i can't keep up because that wasn't a part of my work she would just kind of get the statistics and i would and i would push her 
even further past that because I'm more into the why she's more into just the numbers and statistics. So I'll be like, okay, Monica, so far, this is six months into the year. Let's go back and see what's happening, what's happening with these cases. And then that will be a part of my extension of her work. And I would be like, okay, so this one, we they found the dude. It wasn't any kind of tricking. It was her boyfriend or her lover. And this one, it was, um, it was on the street. She didn't know the person. He was trying to rob her. Da, 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 da. It had nothing to do with tricking. But you get what I'm saying. We were we would we were able to go back and look at. Um, I was able to go back and look because she already had a list of names for me to go back and search. I didn't have to. I didn't have to keep up with the ledger. You get what I'm saying? That's the part that I don't like. That's the boring part for me. But it was great for Monica. So we made a good team in regards to that. But now that she's gone, I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to be looking the, the statistics and da-da-da-da. Let me go look at the cases, da-da-da-da. So that's how what you're asking we already had a system like that but because we're such a small community we have lost a major part of our community that did that particular work that you're talking about in losing monica roberts because everybody is not doing the work to the extent because it's boring it's not it's not um it's not exciting you get what i'm saying it's not like it's not like um other things that my, the good thing about Monica was that she was she was excited about doing the boring work of the stats. <laughs> and so um, that's one of the big losses of having her because she was doing that work, finding the numbers. And then, you know, I will go and find, you know, into the details. It's crazy so. because the transphobes they have this attitude to where it's just like, well, you kind of chose that life. You knew it was going to come with hardships. So, I mean, they kind of... You, you think trans folks have that? Trans, trans folks? Trans folks. Oh, trans folks. Yeah, okay. towards us, it's kind of just like you chose it. So, of course, you're going to have hardships. If you die, you die. You shouldn't have chose that life. Like, it's so deep-rooted for them to where they so numb to it that they th they want us to stay undesirable they don't want us to be seen in the media they don't want us to be seen nowhere they want us to just go in our holes and live our outcast life and if you choose that life that's what you just get you know as a trans person that's how life should be and they're also afraid of letting us in their spaces in fear of them um like actually being outcasted themselves or something being taken away from their brand because they're associated with us. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've been in behind the scenes where people, where there were trans people that were able to make this project sickening, but because the, the person didn't want to be associated with trans people and they had people that were higher up that they wanted to impress that didn't like trans people and they didn't associate with them, they would just pay it and say, we don't want to do that because that's not a good look for us. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I, I just don't want us to forget when we're holding this administration accountable um, and when we're holding um, ourselves accountable, um, when we are holding our allies accountable, when we are really out here trying to make things happen that we're not forgetting that even though that we got some positive stuff going on politically right now, we still have black trans women particularly these six that has died this month, um, January, um, last month, um, 
our black trans women they still out here getting mur murdered and at this rate i mean <laughs> we're we're coming on another record year last year was a record year so at this rate that we're going in 2021 it, we're headed in the direction of going in that same a higher rate of death so make sure you are staying protected make sure that you are um you know watching your surroundings and really being your sister's keeper because they out here being murdered yeah you're listening to houston's own mp trans 101 now listen i know that what is basic trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you so this is for your basic ass basic <laughs> for me in this life could be just the beginning for you done a trans 101 in a very long time yeah because <laughs> i've been busy and you know we haven't had anybody sending us any crazy trans 101 letters asking trans 101 questions <laughs> <laughs> so the trans 101 segment is just to explain some small concept within the trans you know culture that may be small and basic to us but it's not to you because you're just coming in to understanding that you need to dismantle your transphobia and so we can't be so arrogant to think that you automatically are going to know every single thing about the trans community about the queer community about the black community about whatever so maybe a concept that you might not understand, we can clear up a little bit. Now, let me say this. Some things we are experts on and some things we are figuring out too, usually not trans one-on-one stuff, but some things you're going to hear us talking about and we are figuring it out on air and some things we're not figuring it out. We know it. <laughs> You're figuring it out. That's why you need a trans one on one. But some things we are just talking through, particularly this episode, we are going to be talking through some things, figuring it out while we're talking about it. And so we do not always proclaim to be the experts and the educators and the teachers that know every single thing. But there are some things that are so basic that we like to explain it to you because we do know about those. And that's what the Trans 101 segment is about. Today, we're going to do a Trans 101. So look, the folks need help. You know, the kids be broke. And sometimes because of how, you know, transphobia work. And how racism works and how sexism works and how all these isms and systems work. You know, when you intersect all of those things, you know, y'all love to bring up intersectionality. And when you intersect all those things, when you're at the crossroads of all of those things, 
sometimes stuff comes up where you need legal help, you need support, you need some things that you can't afford because the kids be broke. So sometimes when you broke, you need some people who ain't broke to step up and help you out. Or need somebody with access to some services to give you to, to give you those services for free. Sometimes when you ain't got no money, but you got privilege and access to things. Sometimes you ain't got no money to give to the folks, but you do have access to things to give to the folks. Your talent, your skill. And sometimes that's just as helpful as donating money. And if that ain't trans one-on-one, I don't know what is. Doing something for community doesn't always mean that you're throwing money at it, throwing um, donations. While those are nice, those are wonderful, always donate. (laughs) But if you don't have the money, you can also donate your time and your expertise. It's not always about money. Sometimes I need a good lawyer. Sometimes I need a good um, writer or I need you to do an article on my story. And you're a writer. I I need you to do an article on my story just to highlight what's going on. Sometimes I need um, some fucking clothes because I don't have enough. I don't have cute clothes to go to my job interview. And you might have some clothes that you can give me. It's I don't know. It's so many ways that you can give that don't involve money. But if you have an expertise, figure out how you can give your expertise to somebody who may need it. It don't get no more one-on-one than that. But I want to bring somebody on to reiterate what I'm talking about. Okay, let's go. This is the time that we talk about BIPOC youth. So if you don't know what BIPOC mean, I feel like like. Uh, okay, I ain't gonna talk shit because this is trans one on one. Black, <laughs> indigenous people of color. <laughs> so, BIPOC youth of LGBTQ experience are frequently targeted by school administrations, anti queer policies, all because of their intersection, intersecting identities. I wanted to introduce y'all to a fellowship going on that is led by one of our very own people <laughs> a longtime activist extraordinaire brianna jenkins hey brianna hey darling <laughs> so welcome back to the show you've been on a few times yes i have we are here to talk about the fellowship you got going on that you are organizing with lawyers committee of civil rights under law tell us about the history of the organization Um, So Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law is one of the leading uh, national civil rights organizations in this country. It was founded in 1963 by President John F. Kennedy. So in response to the what was happening during the civil rights movement of that time, he brought a whole bunch of lawyers together, some African-American lawyers and lawyers from the private bar to get them to come together to use their legal skills and legal expertise to represent a lot of the African-American people that were protesting 
who are demonstrating that we're being discriminated against in so many ways and experiencing so many human and civil rights violations. So the organization has since evolved from that point in 1963. And now the organization does a lot of cutting edge uh, legal work um, in regards to um, racial civil rights. They've also done a lot of intersectional work, um, particularly for black women, for um, LGBTQ people of color, which which is exciting for me. So they so the organization is is rooted in the the roots of the 1960s civil rights movement, and they're still very active today on the front lines. Uh, so they have a history of being cutting edge, and I love that. I think those are the people who need to be leading charges, particularly around current and modern day issues, because they have the history of knowing how it has evolved. And I think that puts them in a better situation to be successful. So generally, right. generally, schools target LGBTQ students through school policies that police students' gender expression. This is an issue close to my heart because I'm one, one of my first civil rights actions um, revolved around this when I sued my high school to go to the prom in a gown. This was 20 years ago with me. Why is this still an issue? It's still an issue, particularly with schools. Like schools, schools are one of those institutions that can carry out the many isms in this country. So schools have a lot of power, especially when we talk about uh, access to education, access to being able to make money, and also the connections between school and schools and policing. Like schools and education, particularly particularly in this country, are very powerful in uh, creating how our young people in this country are developed. And if we don't if we don't check it, if we make if we don't if we're not policing them, so to speak, to make sure there's no abuse of power, then people who don't neatly fit into quote unquote boxes, um, they're going to experience discrimination all the way up to the point where they're um, pushed out of school and set up for a life where they're going to come across these systems that will um, punish them and marginalize them as adults. So I think. I think that's I think that's why we continue to see it like like at schools and education systems they hold a lot of um, power and they have the potential to impact um, individuals for the rest of their lives. One of the first time that I heard about this um, push out was a book called um, Push Out, The Criminalization of Black Girls in Schools by Monique W. Morris. I think that she really lays out the foundation and lays out some of the um, intersection re intersecting reasons why this push out style is uh, of an, a powerful administration is so effective. And so it just what you're reminding me of is that book just in 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 the scheme of like lgbtq people so it seems like these problematic policy just exacerbate the already tumultuous experiences of um bipoc lgbtq youth so can you explain is that true and can you explain what kind of ways that that is true 
So, particularly for um, black and indigenous queer youth, uh, black and indigenous people, um, students of color, uh, you see, you see a lot of the them failing to conform to the quote unquote rules when you have policies about gender, about what what little boys should do and what little girls should do, and um, what is seen as creating a distraction to the environment, the school learning environment. Um, in a in school, you have so many areas that are gender, like the like gym the class or like bathrooms and dressing rooms. So when you have uh so when you have students that are queer and they natu- naturally who they are, they don't conform to these rules, that opens them up to being targeted by school administrations for working the rules. And then when you have students who are of color, that adds another complication with the intensity of the punishment. Right. So it's a lot of these is a lot of these layers intersecting um, to target these um, kids, and eventually they are, they are either pushed out by the administration through um, write ups, referrals, suspensions, or constructively they are pushed out of school because they no longer feel safe in a school. Um, they don't feel supported. They feel like they could, the administration could out them. So the the ultimate result of all of these rules is that uh, we're we're pushing these we're pushing these types of students out of school, and we're denying them the opportunities to um, have access to a stable and solid education, so that they can grow up to be productive adults. I think we see these kind of tactics kind of popping up around the country. We see in Montana, we see in um, South Dakota, we see in Iowa, we see in Mississippi, all these particularly, um, particularly heinous um, legislation that are really intended to target, that are really intended to target trans people, particularly the one that's in Mississippi, that's making, that's making it, legal for and and really um pushing the administration to out trans people out um queer people just by them talking about it to their counselor making it even illegal if they don't talk if they don't if they don't out them so these are particularly you know targeted instances that we have seen come out of recent years because you know they can't attack the gay marriage thing anymore because that passed now it's on to us (laughs) so for me i think it's quite interesting um how they are it it really doesn't matter they just they're just gonna um twist and turn into a new agenda as the years go on so with this particular um fellowship what is the overall goal of the project and can you tell me how people can help you so my particular overall goal is to bring a lawsuit. Like that's what that's what I want to do. But beyond that, I just want to be able to uh, identify issues, start an investigation, and hopefully provide some legal advocacy to one student, a group of students, a county full of students, a state full of students who are experiencing educational push out, uh, which I should mention has not stopped. Uh, during the age of uh, COVID-19 and uh, like students, students, particularly students of color are still experiencing educational uh, push out 
through this remote learning right because everybody doesn't have access to computers or if you have access to computers you don't know how teachers are policing you or the, the little stuff that they're doing so my goal is to identify a problem do an investigation and to provide uh legal support no matter what that that it, and it can and i'm open looking to a variety of ways uh it could be challenging an administrative ruling um it could look like bringing a, um, a lawsuit it could look like um leading educations or leading training it could, like it could look a variety of ways but for me it's important to uh, identify the people that are going through this to let them know that they are not alone and they are supported through um throughout this process because one of the one of the main reasons why i was interested in starting this project is when I first transitioned, I remember being a girl that was in college that that was kind of out of the norm. Like if you go sit and talk to black trans women, at least when I transitioned at the beginning stages, you would hear stories about how girls were pushed out of school and how girls didn't graduate and how girls um, didn't have their GED or if they did get their GED, just like the hard time, uh, it was a hard time. So. I do believe that these things are still going on and I'm fortunate to be at a organization that supports my leadership, that supports my idea and that's willing to stand behind me 100% um, to pursue this project. The central focus of my project is um, queer, um, black and indigenous students of color. But if you're just a black and indigenous student of color, um, and your experience has some form of educational push out, I encourage you to um, send me an email at bjenkins at lawyerscommittee.org. Um, send me an email and I'm always open to set up a phone call and we can um, discuss um, what's going on and then we can just um, take it from there. So I highly encourage that if you are, if you fall into one of those criterias and um, you're experiencing this push out, um, shoot me an email and um, we can set up a time to talk and we can go from there. Is this costly? Um, no, this is not, this is not, um, this is, yeah, this is not um, a, a lawyer relationship where I'm charging you um, to represent you now. Oh, amazing. I love free 99. Right. <laughs> so I will definitely put her information down in the bottom. I always love when you come on because you always are educating and doing something amazing in community. You are one of the people that I admire and appreciate you. So thank you for joining me and sharing with the people. And thank you for um, having me on the show, having me on this segment. And I'm so appreciative uh, for you um, platforming this, platforming my project and giving me the space. So thank you. I'm going to have her email down in the bottom. If you have a case, if you have some troubles in school, if you're having some issues and you need some help and you don't have like money to be going to talk to a lawyer. Well, Brianna's a lawyer. She can help you out. For the free 99. Now, take her time seriously. Don't be coming with no bullshit when you know you're wrong. <laughs> but yes, if you need some help, check her out. Link in the bottom. And this has been Trans 101. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our 
our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. We have had some great amazing 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 um writing trans like there's been some trans stuff going on that have been amazing particularly on the show euphoria so did y'all watch the first season no i didn't oh my god so the first season was really really good so first season just introduced you to these two characters the main character rue which is um played by zendaya and she has a relationship with a trans woman um by the name of jules so they have a very codependent relationship <laughs> jules is fig trying to find herself as a woman and rue is trying to get herself together with her addiction <laughs> and it's just this tumultuous tumultuous high um high school relationship with these two people it's other characters but these are the two main people so because of covid for see you know how it has changed um, the filming industry in in regards to um, how they're able to film, what type of scenes they're able to film because of COVID. Um, season two has started with them doing individual episodes with the two characters. That's how they're introducing um, season two. So it's really intimate with only a few characters are not going around and <laughs> and you know like if it's if, if it was a regular show they would be shooting in this location shooting in this group of people they actually are only shooting in these intimate settings with only a few characters so one of the first episodes was with rue where she is with her mentor she was with her um alcoholic anonymous mentor and they are talking about sobriety and talking about addiction and talking about getting clean and staying clean and uh, and the all the issues around drug use and drug abuse but this that was on the first episode the first intro intro to the uh, to the season that was rue but the second episode was of jewels just by herself the trans girl and she is is set in a therapy session with her um, and her therapist. And I thought because this was such an amazing, amazingly written episode, I thought well we that we should explore it because we talk about trans culture, and this is a this is a big moment because this is some good writing. 
So right. I thought that it was I like I was I had gagged at some of the stuff. I was like, ooh, on a lot of the therapy questions and the, her responses mm-hmm. to it. I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I thought was interesting was how first she started off talking about you know, I want to go off my hormones. Like, it kind of started along now. I was like, oh, okay, so we went to shit. So like, okay. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I never watched it before. So I was like, damn, all right. Because I ain't going to lie, I've had a moment where I was like, yeah, I think sometimes as a young person transitioning, like at a super young age, you start to get doubt. And I was at that stage because I started my transition socially at 18. And then at 19, that's when I um, started um, medically. And during that time, I realized that that's when cis men start their manhood normally. So I started my manhood like at the same time as as a cis man would and i had to compare myself to that that i'm sure they go through a lot of things of what type of man they want to be and how they don't fit certain stereotypes and how are you going to just go through manhood not really knowing the tools how to survive and navigate patriarchy at least for me it was that deep because i'm still an afab person Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just like okay like it was fear and so like I think maybe Jules is maybe feeling that feeling of fear and doubt because of the things socially you may struggle with. You see what I'm saying? But I haven't really watched it, like, besides that episode. So I'm kind of like, that made me kind of want to start Euphoria officially. I only watched the Jules one. This is a a unique um, cinematography element of it that i thought was really really cool um when it first when the show first opened there was a song called liability by lords like the very first scene all you see is jewel's eye and in her eyeball you see the reflection but it's really of what has happened to her through the whole season one right if, if y'all wouldn't know that because y'all had didn't see season one yes. but in but when they zoom in on her eye and that song is playing and if you listen to the <laughs> lyrics that lyric is a transgender experience even though i don't i don't lord is not who who song it is so i don't think she's transgender but the lyric um when you put in the context of trans it's really really true it's really really on point and i thought that was um cinematically uh brilliant to have you know, have it zoomed in on her eye from what she sees and have the reflection in her eye of what has happened to her so far in the season. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was poetic. Um, And even in the beginning of the conversation that she talked about to her therapist, she talked about what she said her therapist, what she is, which is a reflection of what you just said, Z. She to her therapist, she said, what you're seeing is a million layers of what I have grabbed and clung to and pulled from of what I think um, a woman is and what I think femininity is and, you know, and who I am. There's a person under all of that. Sure. And so there's a, that's who I really am. And um, I have just pulled from these different things and so she was she she made the statement of i i was i was 
once I was trying to transition, I was trying to conquer femininity, but somewhere along the way, femininity conquered me. Right. And so what you're talking about, Z, I see, I think a lot of us get engulfed in the idea of what we think femin femininity is or what we think womanhood is, what we think masculinity is or what we think manhood is. Um, gender in gender as a whole, like where do we fit in this gender thing? And only thing we have to um, pull from is what we see is what we see. We know that this is a social construct now, but when we're growing up, we don't have those kind of complex, comp you get what I'm saying, those, mm -hmm. those ideas. So we're just kind of going by what we see. And I remember in my own experience, and not just my own, just other people that I see, I remember when you first start coming out as a trans woman that your default usually not this is not everybody but people that i knew your default was to be ultra sexy ultra film ultra you know just super super high film that's what it was your titties always booed up to the moon <laughs> you know you got short shorts on it was always uh um like a salacious just a just a really overly sexualized sexualized image that i usually would try to give when i would go to the club i'm always got my titties out especially when i got some titties oh they were out <laughs> it was just about it just was about um projecting everything that i saw and not embracing anything that i deemed socially masculine i literally stopped playing video games because i thought that they, that was a masculine thing i didn't associate video games with girls so i stopped playing video games i didn't associate um even like tennis shoes it was a time that i didn't even wear tennis shoes like in in high school yes because it was a part of the culture to wear jordans because jordans was popping back then but once I got into college, I thought, oh, that's some tomboy shit. That's like wearing yes. Jordans and jeans and Tim's and jeans and all that shit. You know, that East Coast culture that, you know, I, I was I grew up in Boston for a little bit. So it was a part of yeah. that little stuff. That was like tomboy, lesbian, dykish shit that you don't do no more once you become a woman. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? That's what in my mind. That's that's what I thought. So I would only wear heels. I was the same way too. Like literally, be walking down the street with pumps on. <laughs> I used to, I used to sag down like Girl, under my booty, like giving everybody a free show. You kind of still do that. No, I don't sag as much. You know, I don't. Your cakes still be out at home. I'm talking about before I transitioned, I thought that's what masculine was supposed to be. So I'm talking about I gave all these little boys a free show and who knows men probably was like look at this girl thinking this is masculine she giving us free shows of that booty like <laughs> i'm pretty sure that but that's i'm pretty sure that's how they exactly like, you you are because you were lovely before you train and, and after you transitioned so you. i i could see how it would be like oh work yeah <laughs> i remember having <laughs> so a, i remember having the security guard go Pulling your pencil, I was like, but that was his way of saying, like, girl, you tripping? Like, you letting his voice see? Like, I see what you're doing. He was cool. He's like, I, you know, it was kind of like, uh, like an uncle telling you advice on the cool. We all go through the process of um, figuring out our gender, and I don't think that that's 
exclusive to trans the trans yeah. experience like i think no, these people go through how the type of woman that they want to navigate if it's a it's this woman a type of man that they want to navigate if it's this man we are all going through this process where we are figuring out how to present and some of us are listening to our parents like look at wendy williams in this recent movie um her her movie where she was you know her parents were fat shaming her and her parents were setting a standard of what you were supposed to look like and you know it just it revolved around weight you can't be that big you're getting too big that's enough food for you and really um solidifying her adult mind in regards to weight in regards to how she thinks about her body i think we all have those messages not necessarily fat phobia but not only that but everything when we, how we are learning from the people around us and from people we see and it's a combination of what other people think gender is supposed to look like that they are teaching us but also what what we see and we admire and we are attracted to because there's a lot of you know people who grow up and they're like the 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 parents is teaching them modest modest be modest if you're a woman be modest and cover up but then they'll see a woman who is attractive to them that goes against their the grain of their teaching of their household and they'll mimic themselves after that because i like how she looks <laughs> and so and so and so i think we all are going through that and so for me um what i want to ask y'all is how do you how do you distinguish when it's really just a performance and when it's really you when do you get to that point where okay this feel authentic as a as opposed to i'm performing gender because there have been times when i look back on my experience like you just was talking about the sagging where i felt like okay in the moment i didn't realize it in my brain but looking back i'm like oh i was really just performing gender how i thought it was supposed to be performed and that's even down to my sexuality i'm performing gender i'm only gonna be a bottom i'm only gonna um do the quote-unquote girl stuff suck dick get fucked <laughs> that 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 even that is a performance and so how, when did y'all get to the point where you felt like okay this is more authentically me and not just me performing gender i feel like once my i got a little bit more into my transition as far as a little bit comfortable with how i looked it was easier for me to to not perform femininity because i because the reason why i felt like i had to do the most to overcompensate my femininity is because my look didn't give what I thought it to, it gave. So I had to I had to wear my hair a certain way, and if I didn't, I would get clocked. Or I had to wear certain clothes to over accentuate my my body because my shape wasn't giving what I wanted to give. Or I had to, but once but once it all came into form, I was like, okay, well I can I can become a little bit more comfortable because there's no. Because the the way my body is shaped, there's no um, there's no second guessing my gender with my shape. I feel like, and then uh, there's no second guessing my um, how I present with how I look because of what I wear. So what I wear is not determining my gender anymore. I feel more comfortable displaying how I feel without necessarily being high femme. 
like me, I just went in the closet about stuff like because of shame. Mm. Like, <laughs> I don't know what y'all definitions of power bottom is, but I really had to assess and be like, am I a power bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Because me, Mia said that a power bottom is you could take big stuff. Wait a so minute, wait a minute, like, wait, you know, wait, wait. So I'm giving an example. Wait a minute, wait. I'm giving an example. I was joking with you, Z. So basically, I know, babe, but I'm just saying that is something But it affected you. I'm just saying that is something that I was um, insecure about. Like, like not even... Because, of course, I like the top two, but that's mainly how I have sex is through intercourse. So that that was something that I conflicted with and my height. But then I had to really think about it, like, and just, I don't know. I Like, I, I looked up men that were short in Hollywood <laughs> and just would be and like, see different men that were short with power, even though that's just like, eh, whatever, because a lot of them went into patriarchal stuff. It still was a sense of um, just unboxing what masculinity means. Like, what does that really mean? And then seeing in the world of the masculinity I don't like. And so that's why I appreciate Teek Milan's quote where he's saying, uh, man of my own design, because that's literally what it felt like for me coming into manhood was I'm determining how I want my manhood to look like. And just that I will say validation from other people has helped in on top of um, just validation to do finding themselves. It's just really that simple. Like what makes me feel good? Like I'm not just going to be missing out on good ass nuts because I'm not performing masculinity, how everybody think I should be or being quiet about stuff because people think I should be like, it's me. Like these are the things that make me me. And it's, it's past the physicality stuff. If you can't see past that shit, then you got some real thinking about you have some real thinking to do about how you perform your your feminine and masculinity like you like what are you doing to box yourself to where you put other people in those boxes so i kind of just see gender expression as like different colors and i feel like some people just choose to assimilate you know what i'm saying like i feel like gender expression is so everywhere like if you if you could see lights or whatever and there's lights of like colors above people as to like the gender expression i feel like most people are just going to simulate through fear like anyway to where they're just going to cover it up so like i think if they're going to simulate they will and they might want to express gender in a certain way but they're just not confident to do so i think that's why a lot of people call us brave and shit. and then they also don't want to lose privilege right and there's a and I, I don't think people talk, I don't think the other side talks about that, about the, the loss of the privilege that they'll have, because they know the privilege that you lose mm -hmm. once you're Performing. associated or once you don't perform gender mm -hmm. the way society says is normal. Right. And I think that's a good point, because for me, that's when it started to feel more authentic. When I started to, when everything that I did was literally rooted in what I wanted. It was no longer right. about how this guy is going to see me. I, I, one of the things in, on the episode, she was like, everything, how she, however she created herself was about 
centering the guy's desire how a guy wanted to every every single thing that she wanted to do um jules was saying that um framing her entire womanhood about around men and their desires and so for me i do remember feeling that feeling where I was I was pressuring. I wanted to look attractive, and what attractive looked like, it, of course, is going to be different for anybody. But for me at the time, it, everything that I was doing was around looking sexy for men. Looking, what kind of trade can I pull when I tip down the street? Are the dudes like I literally? That would be the litmus test on if I was passing. Like back in the day, when you tip down the street, if dudes wasn't blowing and and asking you for a ride, asking to take you, you go wherever you need to go. That and was, you were not the cat's meow, girl. Right, you if wasn't they were that girl. To catch you, girl, it's, and you wouldn't get. But that's the sad thing that we depended on our, that valid that validation because no shade they could have clocked you and said, "Oh, that's one of the." No, and they would sometimes. Sometimes you will go up to the car. I don't. I don't know what changed this. I don't know what changes. I think the internet changed it a little bit. But and God, this is making me feel old. <laughs> but back in the day, like dudes would go riding around the hood. Like they would go ride and they would get in the car. You would ride and you would be on the boulevard and and dudes would be like. It used to be like you would hear, like if you hear some cars bumping, like you would hear the music and the cars bumping, you knew it was a black dude about to roll up on you because white folks didn't bump like that, bump uh, like hip hop music. So you knew you, you, if you, you hear the beats, you hear the, um, you know, you knew somebody was coming down the street that was black. It was a stereotype, but that's how dudes dudes will just ride. And if they see you walking and you was a chick, they will pull up on you. Damn, baby girl, you need to ride. Where you going? Da 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 da. And some, you know, sometimes you they'll get in and clock you if you want that girl, honey. <laughs> they'll clock you and be like, "Oh, that's a dude." Skirt and pull off, or they won't clock you, and you know they're validating you. They like, "Damn, da da da, I'll take you wherever you need to go." And blah blah. Sometimes you'll be scared and don't hop in the car. Sometimes you don't be scared and you hop in the car. You know, this is just was about. Or they, or that's what they're looking for. They're looking for one of the girls. So you think you got through, but they actually got your teeth. Oh, that that too. But that's only if you somewhere on the beat where the girls be. <laughs> they riding to pick up the girls. But no, 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 no. So it, it, and so um, everything that I was doing was revolving around, um, you know, men's desire. And so when she was talking about that on the show. I remember those days. I remember the days and thinking about that stuff in a way that was just different. And it, it just just different. And once I got older and it started to be about what I want and I no longer, particularly my relationships were teaching me when I was in relationship, how am I, now that I'm it got a man, <laughs> now that I got a man, how am I navigating the world? Because I'm not dressing to attract no dude you get what i'm saying so now how am i gonna dress and so i wanted to look cute then i had him at the time when i was younger i had him kind of steering my mind of how a girlfriend should dress then it shifted to something more modest you see what i'm saying like it, it was all of these things that were outside of me 
that was teaching me indirectly and sometimes directly how I was supposed to present as a woman. And sometimes it revolved around gender identity, but sometimes it revolved around just socialization between me and my man, between me and my mom, between me and, you know, sometimes like if I go to the club, I'll wear a lot of makeup because shit, I'm, I'm trying to be quote unquote pretty. But then when I get around my mom, because my mom or my grandmother, I will wear less makeup because I wanted to seem like them. I wanted to seem like regular degular chicks who, who didn't need to wear makeup, you know, and my mother would be reading like, you know, real women don't wear makeup like that. They, 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 <laughs> they walk around da, 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 da. like they, 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 she, and she's talking, trying to teach me what she thought real women do. They don't be running, but real quote unquote, real women, AKA cis women. That's what the language that they would use. Um, not cis women, but that's, they mean cis women. <laughs> they would, you know, they would be trying to teach me, well, if you're going to do this, this is how real women do it. They would be trying to give me this lessons and some things I would listen to and take heed to. And some things I would buck up against the system. Like, no, I know some women that wear makeup and I know some women that do this and da, 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 da. So it, it was, it was internal stuff that was pushing me in the direction of how to perform my gender. And it was external stuff that was pushing me in the direction of um, perform my gender. But once I got, old enough where i wasn't listening to anybody this is me that's when mm -hmm. i knew that it was authentic it was no longer just a performance it was me i have found my lane i know how i want to dress i know how i want to present and that's when it felt authentic and i can't tell you exactly when that happened because it happened over years it happened over it takes time yeah it takes time to figure that out but i don't think that that is trans exclusive i know it, no. the gender expression is so a part of our transition that it may seem really trans specific but i don't think i think cisgender folks go through that too they do i like i know you y'all remember like when you're younger the how how flamboyant the girls would dress with the like showing a lot of body to 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 make it seem as though they are they are they're grown or they're with they're they're old enough or they're mature showing body like i can have body like but then over sometimes you see the girls tone it down once they become a certain age like i remember i thought i thought i remember there was a time where i was i was getting tired of being stereotyped as a stripper <laughs> when i was younger and i wanted to see if if i dress conservative but still sexy where you could see my body would i still get the same attention from the men when i go went out and that was I was trying to see if, if I would still be validated if I was a little bit more modest. And the only thing that changed was the approach. Like it wasn't disrespectful anymore. It was it was more respectful the way they 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 treated me. That's what that's what I found that when I went out. It was they would they would ask me my name. Um before they would just grab my arm and just maybe cuss me out if I didn't and he to there and call me a slut and a, um, a, <laughs> a stripper and a, all these extra things. And but I think that every from what I've seen, a lot of women go through that, like um, figuring out how they can navigate their womanhood, but be uh, navigate their womanhood with still trying to express their freedom as women and not be 
um, put in boxes, but also be respected. Hmm. What's interesting is mine, I knew that I would be undesirable by both genders once I transitioned. You said desirable? Undesirable. Undesirable? That's the idea I had. Really? When you transitioned, you thought, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm I'm still I was like, I was like, well, I'm not doing this for women. I'm not doing it. Because when I started transitioning, I was, this was that period where I just had my hair however <laughs> I, I did whatever to my hair i did whatever to my i wasn't clean cut i didn't care you about was really unbothered i didn't like, care about like here. clothes and shit like that i kind of just was like fuck yeah i'm undesirable like i used to <laughs> not give a fuck really basically yeah oh, but how, how did tra- that change well <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> you think right. I'm being funny? Yeah, I'm just, you I'm are not, funny. No, I'm trying. I just want to know. How did that, like, what? Well, just what? knowing that I can want things. Like, I could want things better for myself. Like, I could buy stuff. I could buy clothes for myself. I could buy, like, I could look good. Like, why can't I look good? You could look good. Like, I had this idea that I just was just going to give myself the bare minimum. Like, I wasn't going to strive for nothing. I wasn't. Like, it was just like, if it happened, it happened. Like, that's where I was at in my life. Why, though? What, do you do you feel like that was, like, that had anything to do with you transitioning or just the moment in your life? Well, uh, for one, mentally? I didn't have any, well, I thought I didn't have any support. Like, I didn't have any group of trans men I could just go see or join these groups and that at the time i thought that i couldn't just join groups and there there's no resources for trans men and you know like i'm just just gonna have to live a life where i'm just be stealth and say fuck it like just go assimilating that privilege and just say fuck it but now like i'm just kind of just like you could look good like you always want this you you always want this like why not strive for that for yourself like it's more so that like, I didn't want to get caught into wanting things because I knew I would be unhappy because, like, if I was going to say, I need this surgery, this surgery, this surgery, I was just going to drive myself crazy. So I was just like, shit, if it happened, it happened. Mm. Yeah, it was depressing. No. I think about it. I think about it. Yeah. Did any of those feelings ever make you want to maybe detransition or stop your hormones? And because Jules talks about yeah. stopping her hormones, like I something about her. I I think it's because she one of the. Hmm, I don't know. It feels like in the episode, it feels like one of the reasons why she wants to stop her hormones is the emotionality that is she is experiencing with Jules. Like, I, I mean, with um, Rue. Like, if I, I know me, one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, mm, it's close to, close to one of the only What's reasons. The but one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to stop hormones huh. is because I saw a very distinct difference in how I engaged with men and the idea of relationships, how my mind worked in regards to when I was on hormones and when I was not, when it, when it comes to sex. There was something about when I was in a relationship that I felt the need 
when I was on Moans, it was it was great because it made me feel more. I don't know. It just made me feel more like I wanted to be in a relationship. But when I was not on Moans, it made me feel like fuck these niggas. <laughs> and and there was something about being single that I needed that. Um, I needed that dis that disconnect. I needed that disconnect because it would if I had that emotionality while I was single, it would it would continuously harm me in the world that we live in as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. I can't be connected. I remember remember um Carlos, right? Me? Mia. Yes. Yes. Right. So Carlos is a a a piece of trade that me and Mia both dealt with. But we've dealt with very differently. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did we? I did not both How did we not? Is that, is, I think that's his name, Carlos. Bitch, who else is we talking about? Who else that we messed around with together? Um, Ain't that his name? It's another piece of truth. Okay, so the Hisp- he's mixed with his black and uh, Hispanic? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. I forgot that we both <laughs> dealt with him. Yes. Okay. So we both dealt with him. How did you? For, I'm the one who told you. I forgot. That he. It's been a minute. I haven't. I talked thought to, she was talking about somebody else too. Who? I thought she. I, I thought you remember y'all both engaged with a dude, and. No, you talking about. Can, yeah, that's what I thought y'all were talking about. Let me correct that. This is because we're trans women, it's multiple dudes that we have ran across together. It's not just one. But this one was particularly important because you were in a particular you were in a a, a semi relationship with yeah, him. This, this isn't just right. hooking up. Oh, <sighs> <laughs> it's it's hard to say we were in a relationship because we weren't committed, but I was doing things like you really like that. I really girl. Like now that you know what a real relationship is, because you in one, but at the time that you was playing with him, you, really you like was him. like you was right. emotionally attached, like he was your train. I right, but we weren't committed, and when I right. and I never like okay, so like like most young people. I didn't talk about the nitty gritty. I just went to, with the flow. So I wasted a lot of my time. And when I decided that I wanted to like, bitch, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Like, where's this going? And when I decided to get into the G, it was given very much so, oh, you not a cis woman. So no ma'am. Right. So at the time the meal was in it, it was more emotionally deep. Mm-hmm. And he was selling me the moon, the moon, sun, and stars. Like, didn't he? He was talking about introducing you to the family, right? Well, he did introduce me. Yeah. Introduced you to the family. I met his mom y'all were, and his dad. Yeah. So you, y'all were in it. He was playing a game with you that made you a little bit he was not your run-of-the-mill hookup tray you were getting a little bit more attached to him and so this is a dude that i had already dealt with and i dealt with him like a quote-unquote tranny chaser (laughs) like i i dealt with him like just a hookup and so when i learned that mia was attached to this dude and she was asking me about it i was like hmm 
Well, first of all, he's lying about what he does and doesn't do because he was playing Mia like, oh, I'm top stallion. I'm a top and I only do this and da da da. But that was not what he was giving the doll. And so I was like, in what it, even though Mia was learning her lesson yeah, yeah. through me. I was learning my lesson about how I wanted to engage with men because I remember being with being like Mia when I was on hormones where every dude that gave me any inkling, (laughs) any inkling of not just attention, but certain actions like meeting their parents and meeting their friends. We not talk about, oh, he's just fucking you and making you feel like, oh, that's my boy. Not just like that. No, no, no. Not that. Yeah, y'all. When he would do anything that was out of the hookup norm, going on dates, going meeting the people, that stuff would trigger my my mind to want to be in a relationship with this person. But and it was worse and stronger when I when my when I was on my hormones. I don't know if anybody else feel this, but this is how I felt. That feeling of attachment, and it, it makes logical sense, but that feeling of attachment was worse and stronger when I was on hormones. And I couldn't deal with that when I was as a single woman. It was great when I was in a relationship. But as a single woman, as a single trans woman, and out in these streets where you're dating and trying to figure out who is real, who is not, I would be getting attached to motherfuckers who I shouldn't have been getting attached to, making something mm-hmm. more than what it was, and so not being on. But see, that's not what—that's not what happened to me. No, 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 I'm not. I'm talking like, about me. I'm—I'm I'm not saying that's what happened to oh. you. Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about me what it taught me was we were engaging differently you you it felt like it felt like i you were to me in my mind it felt like i was i was because i got off of moans i was able to detach from those feelings of relationship shit way more easier than it was when i was on hormones and that situation go ahead no but i feel like from my perspective I feel like it was because you were older than me and you already had an idea of the games the boys play and I didn't and I and I was learning that like I because I I knew because I did sex work I knew that they play the games but I wasn't I wasn't used to like <laughs> them actually like acting on it, like actually pretending like this is something that I'm taking serious when I'm just doing the bare minimum and you're getting your life so that I can keep you in this position to where I can have access to right. you. And I didn't see that. Right. <laughs> Trash. And that's what and that's what dudes will do. Especially because people act there are some dudes who are like, Oh, I'm just gonna call you at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and ask to hook up, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there's some dudes like that, but there are also dudes who will hook up with you and do stuff. It ain't just um you know, just I'm calling you. Uh, I'm just delusional and thinking we're something, even though you only hit me at three o'clock in the morning. It's not that some dudes will sit and take you on dates. It's that fuckboy boy shit where they will do these things. Be like, I want you. 
I want you to be my girl and do all this be my girl stuff, but I don't really want to be in a relationship. <laughs> Y'all seen all these memes and these these video like little skits and stuff where the dude is saying, "Oh, I I want you to be I I only want you to fuck with me, but I want to be free. I want to be able to do this, da, 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 da. but we 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 I want you to do I want to chill and Netflix and chill with you and and take care of you and blah 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 blah, but I don't really want to be committed." And <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's all these like mixed signals that they're sending and dudes will do that and that's what i felt like carlos was doing to you and for me i was not susceptible to it because i felt like because i wasn't on hormones i felt like if i was on hormones i would have been sucking it up too <laughs> how was your like experience with him so he started trying to sell me the sun and moon and stars okay so you use up her. I want you to come do this. I want. I don't want to just be no hookup. I want to. I want to go on dates. I want to. I was like, boy, no. I'm not trying to do all that shit. Like I, you not a, <laughs> no. That is not what we about to do. You gonna come over and suck this dick. <laughs> you gonna come over and do my extras, do all my things. We gonna have fun, and then you gonna go on about your business. And he laid on my couch and was de not devastated. That's not the right word, but he felt like some kind of way, like because I wasn't buying into that, mm -hmm. he felt like, God, you cold blooded. That's nah. how you get down. Like, damn, I can't. I feel like I'm trying to treat you with respect. But I don't, yes, you, I don't think it's disrespectful to give me what I want sexually. I don't find yeah. that disrespectful. I, this is what I want. This is how I want to be treated in this situation. You don't need to. I don't need to be taken out on dates. I don't need to meet your parents. I don't need to because I know this is not real. <laughs> like I know based on how you're talking to me about what you want and what you've done in your past and da 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 I know this is not real. Yeah, I mean I should have but I should have clocked it too because there was times where he would talk to me and a lot of uh straight men who are attracted to trans women go through this. They talk about the mental battle that they that they have with themselves after dealing with this or while dealing with this like i'm just i just bad i have like these battles inside my head that this is something i'm supposed to be doing is this right am i gay am i not like what and he would talk about how he was having like like deep mental battles and how it would bother him and i me being a younger woman i didn't catch up on like what you're talking about you clocked and if i would have it would have saved me a heartbreak because he literally broke my heart because i was thinking because I was doing the extra, like I'm talking about driving hour to where he stayed, then and then have to work. So after doing my little due deals with him, drive an hour to work, and like I was going above and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's why I said we were we just were two different. We were dealing with the same dude, but we were two different dealing with him in two different ways. And when you would tell me, I'd be like. Oh, Mia, he's playing a game with you. Like he, no, he's playing a game. Like I get, I understand your feelings, girl. And and I don't. And also, I this is another thing as being. And we weren't on no mother daughter shit at the time. No, we we were on some sister we shit. Yeah, some sister. Yeah. And I and I was like, and also I also want to be that bitter old girl that was just ruining <laughs> your little moment. You get what I'm saying? Like there's some I girls who just uh, act like. 
that um just because he didn't do it with me oh he ain't gonna do it with you so i didn't also wanted to i wanted to balance it out because i didn't want to be the bitter old girl because maybe you was that one that changed him into something else and so if you remember when we talked about it i said mia i don't i'm not i'm not telling you this to stop you from dealing with him but i want you to make sure he's giving you the proof the real proof not just this fake stuff and once you started to hold him accountable for the proof it wasn't panning out and you was like mm -mm, this it went down from there and i was like yes if you keep giving him access to your body and not getting the proof he's not i'm telling you he's playing a game with you and so i had to balance in the moment whether not whether because i was gonna always tell you the truth but whether you wanted to intervene where I, whether i wanted to intervene in it like because yeah. i didn't want to be the bitter old tranny that oh it didn't work out with me and so i'm just saying it and i didn't want you to come out on the bag and be like oh you just he just didn't do it with you because you the older girl and yeah you know, but see i never looked at you that way like I, I i know how attractive we both are so i'm like of course any any guy that's attracted to me will be attracted to you because we both look i feel like we both look lovely so i but I do, I, I am appreciative that you did let me go through that journey mm -hmm. um, because it taught me a lesson that I needed to learn at that age. If I hadn't learned it at that age, it probably would have really wore me out as I've gotten older because it showed me that there are faces that people, not just men, I won't say just men, there are faces that people put on to to get what they want and and what they want could be anything and if it's access to you then i'm gonna show you that i'm this 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 because i know these are your values mm -hmm. so I, i'm gonna show you that i can give them to you but if you if you're not intelligent enough to get into the tea then we're gonna keep playing this field until you clock my tea and then boom it's over and that's exactly what happened right that's exactly what he ended up doing where he string you along until you know, oh, you forced me in this situation. Not forcing me, but you, you, um, you're not playing the game like I want you to play it. So, all right, mm -hmm. this is getting out of hand. I wanted to know: Did y'all have any feelings about not fully detransitioning, but maybe getting off your moans or um or slowing it up? Because she wasn't trying to get off her blockers. She just was. She was getting. I felt like she was getting too emotional with Rue and she was like, I need to do something to stop this. And that was something to her, you know, immature mind that felt like that would change it. Did y'all pick that up? Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about my sister. Wait, who was it? Oh, I think it was my friend that was like, cause she was asking, no, no, no. It was my esthetician. She was asking me, um, you know, because we was talking about my trans and she was saying what testosterone do, like, did it balance out my oh, yes, emotions? Your team works. Yeah, she was like, do it balance out your emotions? I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not as emotional as I used to be emotionally attached. She was like, I need some of that. I need me some testosterone because I was like, no, you would. You, you would definitely dead. wouldn't like it. <laughs> but um, how I, I think for me, I have thought about detransitioning when things socially got really hard mm -hmm. for me um, because 
I went I was just thinking like what if like because of that um like it was like trans doubt that we call when you get doubt sometimes about certain things in your transition mm -hmm. and I was going through a period where I was like I just want to assimilate back into like privilege like a normal life like like anything I go through people are just kind of going to shrug it off and I'm just kind of just going to be on a lonely journey throughout my whole life but then something just really changed in me like it'll be okay like yeah. you'd be cool like just follow your heart like and um a lot of what i didn't like about hormonally like what made me go think about going out hormonally but not detransitioning socially um i didn't like how horny i was <laughs> that was definitely something I was proud that I got rid of like that I, like, I never understood that until I got on hormones I was like there's a piece <laughs> of, and I'm not saying that because I know cis women who are horn dogs too that be horny 24 like so I'm not going to say cis women don't be horny because bitch they do but it's a it's a clarity yeah it's a clarity that you get versus like just one of us in that every second even after you busted that you're like when's the next one oh okay i can't wait <laughs> like i felt like i didn't have like i feel like i got to a point where i was just i ain't have no control and that made me feel some type of way about my manhood especially so i was like okay no so were you did that make you <laughs> be more sympathetic to cis men and no, when they no, say, I'm okay, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> hell yes, hell yes, yes. For me, yes. I'm kidding. Because yes. not in a way where I'm like giving them a fine, yeah. giving them a pass of being assholes and not controlling what they do, like as far as like raping motherfuckers. No, but I did. There was there was an empathy that I can feel about the seriousness of the horniness. There, there is there. It's it's serious. It's like, yes. like sometimes. Oh my God, this is maybe TMI, <laughs> but sometimes you can't focus unless you get off. Yeah. Sometimes, like you gotta go beat it out, yeah. <laughs> rub one out. You gotta go like and nut just so you can focus. Like I remember when I was in school. <laughs> I remember That's so sad. Lord, I remember those times. <laughs> when I was in school where I couldn't even do my homework and focus on this paper I had to write because I was so fucking horny and I wanted I needed to go get off. I needed, you know, not with it didn't necessarily have to be with somebody, but I needed to take the edge off by nutting and then coming back so I can focus. And I don't think everybody i won't say cis women i'm not gonna say that but i don't think everybody is like that but i don't think everybody understands that how testosterone engages in your body really changes your focus because it's just, your brain is like it don't matter how much you try <laughs> your body is saying nut 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 that's what it felt like like real talk and like I'm now I'm to a point where I could be on testosterone and control myself like and be totally fine but before I was like I don't know like this is really intense like yeah because really, Really fucking it. <laughs> how not just the horniness, just the brain, like how 
you operate like it just changes for me if for me i mean i've heard stories of like trans men and trans transitioning and like before they were touch me nots and now they're wearing it the fuck out not even just sexually like like just knowing that you're not as emotionally in tune as you was is something because i thought that was like me like just being over the top emotional and very um more thoughtful and everything just seemed more colorful and just intense as far as emotions and then afterwards just a lot of numbing came not really numbing just just a lot of easy goingness and then on top of the intensiveness of being horny it's just like a lot to like go through that mental change and like so sometimes i'll be like i'm gonna just go off and then i'll just watch a lot of trans men detransition and then i came across that that's how i came across diamond video looking at her talk about detransitioning and then that made me realize when you were talking about it that made me realize that you can like when it comes to detransitioning that doesn't mean that um you're detransitioning socially or you're not going to identify with trans that's what made me realize okay see i can detransition and go off hormones without not identifying as a guy yeah and it, and even even the word that language might not even be appropriate because yeah. it's it's like I can get off hormones but not detransition. Right. Do you right. see what I'm saying? And 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 th- I feel like this is the best description of how it feels, like because there's a connection to rage as well. Mm-hmm. The testosterone testosterone gives you. Yes, there is a connection to rage. Like you can something can trigger you into rage so much easier mm-hmm. than when you're on hormones. And the best the, the best description that I have ever heard to describe the difference in emotionality in like on being on hormones and being off hormones being and I not because some people are not on hormones being testosterone high testosterone versus high estrogen uh-huh. is say you got remember the box of crayons uh-huh. say a box of crayons is your emotions when you when I'm on estrogen I have like a 64 box color box of crayons when I'm on test, when not on testosterone, but when my t- when I'm the alpha hormones and my testosterone is the dominant, I'm on like a 24 box of crayons colors. That's the, my range of colors. I have a 24 box, and I have you know you got your red, you got your blue, you got your yellow. That are your basic colors. But when I'm on estrogen, I have like 64, like so many ranges of emotions and so many ranges of depth of color <laughs> per winkle blue or dark navy blue or you know what I'm saying? So many white. I mean so many exactly you got so many ranges of emotions and i don't know if um y'all feel that way but that's that for me when i heard that description i can't even remember it was years ago when i heard that description that is what it remind it was a perfect example because when i'm on hormones when i'm on hormones i got it's such a wide range of emotions that i can feel and when i'm not it's a little bit of range and and though whatever those little bit of range whatever that little bit of color in that 24 boxes when i'm not on hormones 
it just feels like those individual colors are basic and bright. <laughs> so like with rage and um you know, and sometimes you numb about stuff, but sometimes you not. Yeah. Um it's just it's it's just different. It's just so different. And for me, I felt like as a single person, I was more able to cope not being on hormones. Mm-hmm. See, because I'm, I can I can easily detach from dudes. I've always wanted to um get to know myself better, like be being estrogen the, dominated. The, the, the the dynamic of being estrogen dominated while identifying as a man, engaging with uh, as a man still. I kind of want to know that experience, like. And then if I expect to carry at some point, I don't want it to be a big shock to where I just have to go cold turkey out for hormones and then you got this fucking intensity of fucking pregnancy hormones. <laughs> like, I want to kind of know a normal side, which I have gotten to kind of know, like, from surgery, I would have to get off, like, three weeks, weeks, three weeks or to two weeks or something like that. And then to the point where my cycle would come back. And Which means your estrogen is really high. Yeah. And then I was like, this is actually not that bad. But I'm pretty sure if like big changes came in my body, I'd kind of be over it. <laughs> I, I want to answer the question. Um, I do miss my skin when I was estrogen dominated. Though. That shit was fire. It, <laughs> that shit was fire. <laughs> I get triggered when I'm, I'm off of like when, with the feelings of being off of hormones, it it makes me feel when I'm testosterone dominated, like um, it it it, it sprawls me down into a depression because being being estrogen dominated for for so long, you are not estrogen. Like once once you once your body starts to take in that other hormone, baby, the use it's easy for you to see the changes and the changes from testosterone are not pleasant and the changes from testosterone differ with your age so now i'm 30 so most most amap people (laughs) at age of 30 go through a little bit different changes hormonally like what from what I see, the them the motherfucking follicles be popping. <laughs> the, the follicles, and then you got the, the the different distribution of hair. Even though you had distribution of hair before, it's like that's like a whole different type of um, episode of puberty, honey. Um, the loss of hair. It is because you you could have got laser in twenty twenty one, but then your thirty five year old those dormant follicles <laughs> that wasn't even awakened that wasn't even awakened at twenty one, they like oh oh you got rid of our Judy's when you was twenty two, but we here now at <laughs> thirty five. <Wow>. Hey, <laughs> you better get on the moms, girl, or go back to the laser. <laughs> It, it gives very that and like psychologically it just I don't like I don't like because I'm I'm a very sexual person off of hormones and I don't like it's a I don't know I can't explain it it's just a feeling that I don't like I don't like feeling like I can't control I'm not in control of myself and I feel like 
<laughs> I feel like maybe if it not not when I was single, I felt like, baby, I don't care. I would drive to the, where, where, where are we going to meet? Okay, we can do it here. But when, and I'm not saying that my standards decreased. It just, it's just they like, did. girl, let's. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't get up in a. I know uh, I did. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Yeah, they do. Like, I'll, I'll be on bar there, like, okay, we're gonna do it in the car, we're gonna do it over here, we're gonna do it. But, like, when I'm estrogen based, I'm like, no, bitch, we're, we're gonna have it's gonna have to be a it have to be set up the way I need I need it to be my mood to be in the right area, like, it's gotta give, like, in order for me to even get into it. But, pro, like, being estrogen, I mean, testosterone dominated, oh, girl, okay, we can, I don't bust this lady in the elevator on the way to the car. Honey, honey, uh, in the alley, bring all y'all niggas. Bring all your homeboys. Bang me out, slut me out, wear me out. <laughs> all, all of, of that. that. But see, oh, God. I, I didn't even answer your question. So there was a time where I just thought that it was so hard like, to obtain the level of femininity that I wanted to and financially that I was like bitch I would be a sickening boy one just just <laughs> <laughs> just 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 go over the, they they was telling you when you were younger you would break hearts just follow the footsteps and and get your life but then I was like bitch you would be so unhappy like you would be you would You'll be over yourself for giving up. And I'm not no quitness, bitch. I'm not just gonna quit something I started. <laughs> so I'm a I'm I'm gonna fight through it. Now I might not be a, where I want it to be, but bitch, I'm I'm a, one of the girls. <laughs> <laughs> and you and, and you and they take it regardless. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna fight through it. But there there was a time where I was like, girl, this is hard. Like, you got to pay for hormones. And then if hormones aren't accessible, I got to find a, a way to get black market hormones. And then if, and then I, I want these surgeries because I want my body to look a certain way. And then I want my face to look a certain way because I don't think it's more feminine because I feel like I'll get clocked. Or if I get clocked, I'm going to get wore out. And so I got to stay on hormones consistently and you have to be consistent, like take the pills every day. And if you're not taking the pills every day, you got to take the shot every day. And then I want to make sure that my body is nice and soft. So I need to get laser. If I'm a hairy girl, I need to get laser all over my body. And if I if I'm not a hairy girl, then bitch, I, I get it on my face. Like it's just so much to do depending on where you are in your transition and what kind of woman you want to be. And it was a lot because I, I I started to become envious of cis women. So I'm like, bitch, you hoes got it easy. All you got to do is lose weight to get the body that you want. And but or 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 you, you it's not. That was my thought process. And so I, I was like, I have to do all this extra stuff, stuff in order for my body to even present feminine, feminine. So you may want this hourglass shape, but nobody's going to say that you have don't have a woman's body. I don't know. That was my logic. And so, um, yeah, but I said, girl, fuck it. I, I can't. I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do. One of the things about this part of the show, about the movie, about the episode, um, she was talking about how puberty was about for her was about deepening and thickening yes. and widening. If she was, it was a fear that she had that would keep her from femininity. It was a fear 
that she felt like if I get don't get on hormones at the time, she was like, I will never be able to conquer femininity in the way that I need to do, which is what you're talking about, Mia. And so for me, I think the metaphor about the ocean being thick, deep, strong, and um, like feminine. Feminine as fuck. She was like, the ocean is feminine as fuck, but it's also strong. It also, and for me, if I really want to answer the questions about when I got to the point where it was not performance, it is when I discovered the thickening and the deepening and the widening of my femininity. When I didn't have these rules, when it could be strong, when it could be thick, when it could be wide, when it could be whatever I wanted it to be, that is what I found as I got older. That is what it was. It was like that. This is the authentic femininity for me, for myself. This is the authentic femininity is when I can navigate the world. However, the freedom of being whatever, whatever type of feminine that I wanted to be, that I deemed appropriate that to me, that's when I got to my, um, my authentic femininity my authentic self and that took time it wasn't i knew that i was trans as a teenager i knew that i i wanted to transition because i didn't associate myself with a man but in in my puberty came with how i learned to be the woman that i am today it, with with the freedom breaking the shackles of what i thought womanhood was breaking the shackles of what i thought femininity was and getting deeper and wider and thicker in my ideals of what that femininity could be for me as a trans woman All right, so the next subject before the last subject that i want to kind of talk about is um her relationship how we how, how how our transition can set us up for these codependent relationships sometimes healthy sometimes unhealthy <laughs> and so jewel started to, jewel remember Jules was talking about, um, we know that Rue is on drugs or battling addiction, right? We know that her mom is on drugs I, and, and battling addiction. Her mom, she has a sensitivity, exactly. But also, <laughs> if you really think about it, Jules is on a drug too. And it's that sexual thing, that sexting and texting and that whatever that fantasies that she has with the relationships mm -hmm. with men mm -hmm. that, you know, because she was saying, like, I know, yes, we're talking. And I kind of want to explore that, too, this in our conversation, because I remember that somebody who wanting connection as a trans person. I remember that's why I made this, this decision to get off moans at that time, because I remember being addicted to that fantasy with men being addicted to because I was a trans woman and I and I wanted to um, have some type of connection. But so many people in the world was so hateful to us and so um, shady 
that I was not having authentic connections. And I want any remnants of that when I was younger would be special to me. It would be, um, you know, I would just, you know, sitting on, I would sit on the chat line. I don't know if y'all remember the phone chat line back in the day. But when you get on the phone and be chatting with, with dudes on the phone before language, the internet language, <laughs> language, press one yeah. to record your introduction. Like that, uh, uh, <laughs> What's up? This is your girl Diamond. Like that, what? like the introduction with Trina on that movie on that song Phone Sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you would have to give your introduction. What's up? This is your girl Diamond, light skin, thick red bone. <laughs> Green and brown eyes, all this kind of stuff. And a big butt, and I'm five seven, and I'm a seven girl, and I and I would do everything that you would like. And you need to be open minded, <laughs> <laughs> open minded freak, all that kind of stuff. Press one to accept your introduction. Press two to re-record. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that tea. So I remember just I would be on phones with niggas for so long, like really making a connection and learning about them. I remember doing exactly what Jules was doing in my younger years from like 16 to like mm, 23. When I got in my first little relationship, um, that was like mutual. We both was in love with each other. Other other relationships was not really that mutual. Um, but I would make a connection with, um, with people and, and I was addicted to that connection, but then I became an escort when I got older and then I started making connection with clients, not the wham, bam, thank you, man, clients, but certain clients that w had your coin, but like to talk to, <laughs> you know, the ones, the ones that want to use that you as a therapist. Yeah, they want to use you as a therapist, that too. But, you know, some are just authentic. Like, you, you connect with them on a chemistry level and not just a sexual level. And all of these different things that were happening, me meeting dudes online, me meeting dudes on the app, me meeting dudes through um escort, escorting, all these things gave me a connection that I didn't have in the everyday world. And so I was addicted to that, um, that connection. And for me, looking at Jules in the situation that she was in, and how they de they depicted it in the show, her sexuality and what she was exploring and just doing the hookup thing. I remember living that life. I remember being addicted to that. And for me, it was a gag when Rue kind of crossed that barrier with her unexpectedly. Right. Cause when she remember when she kissed her in the show and she was like, I froze mm -hmm. because she didn't expect that from a cis woman mm -hmm. because she's usually engaging sexually with men. This is just her home girl. Almost, almost like this is her home girl, but she didn't realize that it was going to turn into this, but she knew that it was something different because she said, yes. she said with, with her, with Rue that like she said, you know, the way that's, certain cis women look at you like they size you up she didn't feel that from her she felt a different type of presence shit i wish i would have been going through as a teenager i wish a girl that would, would be just, sickening i that wish would, a girl would just kiss me shit well no when i like to but that sounds not <laughs> on your end i would, yeah that would have been nice to experiment 
as a team because we're both from rural areas but I'm but Dami you're not from the, a rural area and you, you were able to explore <laughs> I wasn't able to explore with cis women no, like cis women didn't engage with yes, me yes you did um, y'all, y'all, you almost had a, a whole threesome with you and your homegirl but that what she didn't engage with me oh. well well not prior to that mm. do you see what i'm saying it wasn't us alone having an intimate moment we were engaging with the dude it was about the dude it wasn't about me and her right. we I, I felt like in that threesome when i was me was talking about a threesome that i had with a cis woman and a cis man a bi cis woman and um the you know a tra- trade piece of trade and in that moment we both were trying to do something freaky with him because how he was responding to us being freaky with each other it was not about some intimate attraction that we had me and her had with each other because we didn't have that at all (laughs) and so cis girls weren't intimate with me in that kind of way at all there's only one that i remember that was um her name was trina she was a stud and she's the only one that i felt an intimacy vibe with but i was nowhere near in my own personal self close to even playing with her like that like girl if you don't get out of here like in my mind me i had like that a girl too you remember she was just ethiopian well i didn't like her i just knew that she was different like her vibe well i don't know i didn't know what to i was in high school she was the ethiopian she was really pretty and she just i don't know she was she was I don't know. I, I can't. I can't say. I, I didn't know if she was attracted to me, or if. Um, what are you doing? Oh. No, I didn't know if she was attracted to me, or if she was just being nice. But I, I guess I kind of had a similar experience. We just didn't care. You say you bought her stuff. Um. No, this was in elementary before I transitioned. I had bought this uh-huh. Hispanic girl Valentine's Day gift, and I put it in her desk, and she left it in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Don't why bitch. you were trans. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you trans. You got your heart broke by your first Hispanic. <laughs> I didn't have my heart broke. Fuck her. I had, what had burned my pussy was I had drove by her house on my bicycle. <laughs> And her um her husband ch- I mean her husband her um her father chased me away like I was some type of like see you would be a whole man if that wouldn't happen. <laughs> oh, that is, first of all the cunt didn't make me transition. I have, I was already cunt. I just was performing. <laughs> So I thought this is what I was supposed to do, okay? And <laughs> no, you like it. <laughs> I didn't like the cut. I, I had, I was no, curious. You liked it. No, I probably no, I wasn't. I don't know. I think I think I was performing. I felt like I was performing because when I think about it, I didn't have no intimate feelings about her. Like it was like that. I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I can see that. I remember yeah. I, there's a girl. Her name is Jessica Lawson. She used to, um, I, I messed, not messed around, but I, I made her my girlfriend 
because she was the girl that I wanted to be. <laughs> she was, she, she was the girl that I wanted to be. And I hadn't transitioned yet. This was young. We were in this acting troupe together, the Ashante a, a Children's Theater. It was, it's like an acting guild. And she was like the star. She was like the precocious, dark skinned, you know, this is a pro-black space. So she was she was this dark-skinned, beautiful, articulate girl in an acting space. So she's going to thrive. <laughs> and so everything that I liked, you know, I have, like, if you ask my mom, I had an affinity. Just like I have an affinity for dark-skinned men, I had an affinity for dark-skinned girls when I was little, too. Like, when I thought in, in that regards. And she was... I wasn't never sexually aroused by her. I wanted to be close to her to, I felt like mimic her or whatever. She was, she was everything that I wanted to be. Like Jessica was everything I wanted to be. <laughs> she was everything. And so she would be trying to kiss me and I would be like trying to avoid it. Like I would avoid being by myself with her. So I, cause I knew she was going to try to touch my piece and try to <laughs> kiss me and be freaky hot. I'm like, girl, this is not what I came here for. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear you <laughs> recite our lines. I want to do all the acting stuff. <laughs> I want to do all the choreography. Come on, let's practice the choreography that we are supposed to do it for the play. I do not want to do all this sexual freaky stuff with you, but That's crazy. because I feel this would be trying it. My bad. I felt the same thing. Like I was intrigued by cis men because I wanted to be like them and operate like them and be seen like them. So I would kind of just date them or just. And I think there's a couple that I actually did have a crush on back. And um, getting older, like, and then involving with them sexually, it was mainly, so I was intrigued to be around a penis. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was just like, yeah, if it happens, cool. Like, I'm open to it if we have sex. But then, like, it was mainly, like, I'm intrigued to be around a, a penis and engage with it because I know I want one. It sounds so weird, but like no, when I say it, but <laughs> it don't sound weird. Don't not sound to, weird me. to me because I wanted to have sex with a sex change woman to see what it would feel like to a man when I get my pussy. <laughs> oh. I I don't I don't know nothing about that, but I <laughs> but I do I do. There was a curiosity. Long. This is it currently. Yeah. I remember back in the day, I didn't want to have sex with no vagina, but I remember I used to hang around with a clique of lesbians and it was quite, their sexualities was quite interesting. Like I saw them eat each other pussy in front of me and I was curious about how that worked, but because not because I was aroused by it, but because I was like, oh, I've never been this close to a vagina. Wow, what is that? What what is happening here? What is <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been around dicks since forever, but now that I'm you know getting older and I'm hanging around them, I'm getting an intimate knowledge of vagina, like the what it looks like, what it what happens when you do this, and what happens when you do that. And so I remember being in a space where I wanted to be around them just to learn, like oh okay. 
What's the so what's the, what's the big deal about this? Why do the, why do the boys like this? Yeah. <laughs> it was more like now that. for me, it's like an intrigue and attraction to it. Like now it's combined, and then that's what confused me because it was like now I'm starting to like it and actually want it, and it makes me feel some type of way. Like my masculinity feel real fragile right now. Like I feel that way <laughs> too about being like averse. I hate saying that I'm a averse type, but I don't like I don't like anal sex. So, like, but I do want a sex change. I, I feel the same way that you do. But the I think the reason why I felt the way I did was because I like I didn't want to enjoy. I don't want to not enjoy having sex because I feel like women are not supposed to have penises. Well, I, I feel like, like I would deprive myself until I have a sex change to explore my sexuality. I feel like, I don't know, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So. You mean you don't like anal sex as far as you bottoming? Yeah, I just, it's just, 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 just a lie. I, I do like it when I'm into it, but it's mm. just, I think being in sex work and that being the main thing that, like, it, it, it was like either this, like, this is what I'm paying you for. I don't, want to explore anything else and mm-hmm. I feel like Fair. being feminine in the way I'm shaped that's what men expected from me like there was no way I could ex- express my sexuality in any other way anyways I I, I understand what, y'all, what you what you both are saying yeah and it's something that I'm still trying to get comfortable with it's something I'm unboxing now like I done got past like the height stuff the being small and blah, 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 but mainly now the thing that I'm tackling is like internalized homophobia and because I'm playing, basically I'm placing that on myself, like, you know what I'm saying? Homophobia like, and transphobia? Yes, yes, so it's like, you tripping. Not? I'm still unboxing it. I started, to, it's something that I started to work trying to do like two, three years ago, like. <laughs> and I'm still in the process. Like, that's so. That I think that's really brave of you to admit. Like you're you're work you're working actually working on it because it's a lot of people that's working on it, but they're not admitting that there's something that they are unboxing and how long it takes. So as far as like unhealthy relationships, did y'all? I felt like in my early stages of my transition because of those rules of gender and femininity and gender roles all of my relationships early on while i don't i think that they were important and i think that they taught me something there was a codependency that was happening in those relationships not necessarily about drugs like jewels and rue but there my relationships with men prior to my 30s every relationship was so rooted around these ideas of gender roles that they had no choice to be unhealthy mm. you see what i'm saying like for me they were rooted in these ideas about gender and the roles that i was like i'm 
I'm a woman, so this is how I'm supposed to navigate the world. You're a man, this is how you're supposed to navigate the world. And if we're not mimicking cis heteronormativity in the way, exact way that I want to do it, it's invalidating my womanhood. And I don't want to be invalidated because I'm fighting to be validated in this world as a woman. And I want you to believe my transness. <laughs> like it was a whole big, I was. I was planting my flag on the world, my trans flag. I'm a trans woman. I, trans women are women. So everything about my life revolved, even my relationships revolved around proving that to the world. So he had to be a certain way. And any deviation from that could cause a rift in our relationship, could cause me questioning him. Oh, um, you starting to like me? playing with your booty a little too much, even though I'm the one who engaging with <laughs> you. Know what I'm saying I'm the one who started out. I'm the one pressing the buttons, but then I'm questioning it. Like, Oh, you starting to like that a little too much. It just, it was, it, I started to be weird about it and every relationship prior to prior to my thirties for me was starting to give that tea where it was like unhealthy codependent where I'm all, I'm with you because you are are providing an image. You are providing the image of manhood that I want. You are performing manhood the way I want because in contrast to in contrast to my femininity, it makes me seem more authentic and everything was about authenticating my womanhood. That's a lot of thing like a lot of what you said is what cis women do also to cis men. <clears throat> <laughs> um i'm trying to um one of my relationships with a cis girl i'm realizing that i mainly broke it off because um basically it wasn't the boxes that i set up for us because she was somebody i was with before i transitioned and i was with while i was transitioning and as I started to explore and want different things, um, she was, she's never had penetrative sex before. And that's something I wanted to do with her, but it wasn't a rush for me. But I felt like um, there would be no sexual chemistry because of, because of how our anatomy set up. We both have vaginas. And so because it didn't perform the way I wanted to be, even though she was open to it, I basically was uncomfortable with that because I, my manhood was fragile. So I, she was like, I'm open to it, but I was still was like, no, like I'd rather do it when I have a penis. Like a penis that's attached to my body, like my skin, surgery, like, and I felt like I didn't want to fuck that up. like. I don't know. Like I thought, me having strap-on sex wear would be fucking it up. Like I had this but idea. But then, her attachment to you because of you taking her virginity? No, I felt like I would fuck it up because it wasn't actual real sex, quote unquote. You see, what I'm saying like I felt like if she was open to that, it should be if she was gonna do penetrative sex, even though she identified. She didn't even identify as a lesbian, but that's mainly what she dated was women and, and been in relationships with. And so I thought because I couldn't perform how I thought I should have, that I just broke it off. Like, 
And I'm realizing that because I'm thinking it just doesn't work because long distance, but it mainly was because I couldn't perform masculinity with her. And just like with you. Oh, the girl from Canada. Yes, like with you, because our anatomy switched, I was open. To, I mean, our anatomy is different. I was open to it because I was like, it would be interesting. Like, but I think that was cowardly of me to just break it off for her because even though she was open to having sex with me, you know, with a strap on, she was like, it's perfectly fine. Like, I was still like, nah, like, maybe that should be reserved for a cis man. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, or when I have an actual penis. Does that make sense? Is you, it's transphobia. Yeah. It's like you wasn't validating yourself. Yes, yes, right. exactly. And so, like, by the time I met Mia, I had start. I fucked with a girl before her that I could tell was putting me in boxes instead of me putting myself in them. In a way, like I was open to a lot more at that time. And then at this time, I could tell that she thought me being trans was weird and she didn't know how to engage with it. And it was crazy because I'm like, this is probably the karma, quote unquote, that I get for breaking that other girl heart for something so silly. And then trying to go to one of my exes that I fucked with and her treating me like an it when the other girl didn't treat me like that at all. She was already hip to trans stuff. She had a trans friend, like all that stuff. <laughs> like I was just like, damn. And then I met Mia and then like just being able to be myself fully and feel like um I won't be invalidated, even though the other one did it. Like just knowing for sure like I feel more secure in my manhood because you understand the trans aspect that something I have to explain. It's just like it's cool. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, there was this guy that was in the military and he was like this super, super masculine guy. Um uh, he was like an omega and um and I, I I like the Greek organizations and stuff. So that was that was cool to me. And he just had like this super mask personality that I, I thought was sickening. Like most Q dogs do, they have they have a level of masculinity. Q dogs have a level of masculinity that they perform it to that peak. Where it's like, oh, a Q dog. Yeah, so I was attracted to that, and I also didn't. I had also had a level of transphobia, so I didn't validate myself as a woman because I didn't have a sex change. So I said that. He was a, a straight man, so he liked vagina. And so I said that since I don't have one, you can have sex with cis women because I, I can't give you what you initially want. So you can do your due deals and I'll still be over here on the side. Uh... I don't know how that made sense, but it made sense to me back then. And I was like, I will still be committed to you, even though I can't give you this. And when I'm able to give you this, when I get to set, once I get a sex change and all of that has to stop. 
Oh, baby, that was me in high school. I know exactly what you feel in that regards. I, that was me. I was like, oh, you got to have a girlfriend. You got to have a vagina. But he was up here wearing this booty hole out like, <laughs> wearing it out. <laughs> really trying to, really trying to get it and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that's what it was. And that's my That was my mindset. Like, you can do these things, but once I, I, I'm just not fully there yet. He, he's not gonna be able to accept me. I'm not, I'm not where when I wanted. This is when I wanted to have a sex change. Yeah, I'm like I gotta be complete for him for me to pull somebody like this. I think the, for me, I, I've already pulled them though. <laughs> <laughs> the great awakening for me was, I used to think like, okay, she or he don't like me because I don't have a dick or something like that. When a lot of times it's not even like about that. It's about they just don't like you. It's just they don't like the type of man that I am. They like it's not because like if you was just like, okay, well, like would you fuck with a trans woman? They still be like, hell no. Like, no. So really you just a lot of times they just don't want to date trans people. They just don't can't deal with the type of girl or man i mean yeah guy or girl that you are like yeah it is what it is they don't have nothing to do with your genitalia sometimes because you can even have a sex change and they still be like nah because that was just... a pivotal point for me too like <laughs> pretending like i had a sex change and talking to guys so like well if the pussy is all that that you need then okay if i pretend like if i don't know you and we ain't meeting up soon if i pretend like i have one do that change anything and no, we don't. And then listen to sex post-op girls who say, girl, I'm still getting denied because I thought that the pussy was the answer to it all. I thought that, like, once I got the pussy, then, bitch, I'm in there, girl. I'm, I'm like the other cis women, but no, ma'am. <laughs> That's why you might as well just like what you got while you got it. If you want a sex change, go for it. But I know me. I'm not. I, I, I'm going to just embrace being a power bottom, I guess. Like, a power bottom? Oh, no. I know okay, I want so a dick. I, but nothing's wrong with that. I know but, I want a dick, but at, at the I moment, mean, I'm just a power bottom. And I'm not a power top. You are. I just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. No, okay, not. I'm no, sorry. Not. Go ahead. Don't <laughs> <laughs> No, I... I agree everything <laughs> you say. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. You know, embrace. I think all power bottoms lives matter too. You <laughs> <laughs> like, try to bottom shame all the time, but like if you can take dick, like that's actually a skill. Like my nigga. It is a skill, especially when you can take extremely big ones. <laughs> The word out. <laughs> well, I think if y'all haven't watched the show, I know we've gone everywhere um, in regards to the topic. If y'all haven't watched the show, it is the new season um, of Euphoria starring uh, Emmy Award winning Zendaya and Hunter Schaefer. That is the new, this is her new role. This is her first role ever. And she's actually doing some really good acting. I thought she was really acting and doing really, really good in the show. So check it out. It is episode two. It's a special episode prior to the the season two premiere. Um, so yeah, check it out. It is amazing. And we wanted to kind of explore it. So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so...
Hashtag Marsha's play. Hashtag Marsha's play. Well, that's and it. We will see Thank you for coming. Week. And Bye-bye. I take the Marsha's play. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right.